this. If you're at home, get comfortable. We're glad that you are joining us today. It's always a blessing to be here with my New Life Church family. My name is Pastor Lindsay, and I'm an assistant pastor here. A couple weeks ago when Pastor Jeremy was talking about our Heart for the House message, and he mentioned that this was the final quarter of 2020. Um, And thank God there's no overtimes in years like there are in football because Lord knows 2020 got to end. So whatever the score is, we're done, right? But I I started thinking about that not too long ago, and I started thinking about the final quarter, and I started... um, remembering this little sports phrase that I heard that said, uh, champions are won in the final quarter. And those of you who've watched sports, have you ever given up on a game? And like, you were like, oh, this is going nowhere. And then you turn it off. And then you wake up the next morning and you find out like, it was like the best final quarter. And they came back and they scored like 40 points and they won. This happened one time. I don't really care much about football, but this happened one time when we were watching um, Peyton Manning play for the Colts, and it, the game was awful, right? They were way far behind, but then we, we just turned it off, and then he ended up scoring, they like scored like three touchdowns in like the last few minutes, did one of those funky onside kick things, and it actually worked, you know, it just turned it around, and I started just thinking, you know, I'm just going to pray for our world, yes, but for me personally, and for us as a church, that um, championships are won in the final quarter. And I'm just going to pray that this final quarter for us as a church body and for us as individuals and families, that this final quarter of this year will be a year that you come out victorious and on top of it. And Pastor Jeremy talked last week about strength and victory and protection. And so I'm praying for the strength to finish strong, for the protection to finish strong so that we can end victorious. And no matter what the score looks like on the world's uh, scoreboard for us as the body of Christ and us as individuals see our quarterback never fails and our king is still on the throne and so no matter how the score seems to weigh out one way or the other no matter if you're happy on November 4th or upset on November 4th and it will go all different directions here's the thing we still end in victory And we have that decision to make if we're going to be able to see and push through this final quarter victorious. And so there's been a verse that's been laid on my heart over the past couple days. It's one we all know, but it's one that I've begun to pray specifically for this last quarter. And it is this verse out of Psalms 51, chapter 51, verses 10 through 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, here's what I I love about this. I've heard this verse all my life. And most of the time when we read this verse, we really kind of focus in on that create in me a pure heart which has to deal with repentance. And we all need to repent. And sometimes more than once a day. I mean, I don't know how some of your days have gone this year, but sometimes more than once a day. We need God to create in us a clean heart. But these other parts of this verse have really stuck out to me for the end of this year, where it says, renew a steadfast spirit. I'm going to tell you what. The winds of change are blowing at hurricane force 
I need a steadfast spirit within me. So I need God to renew a steadfast spirit in me. And then when it says, restore to me the joy of your salvation, I need joy to be in my life. And that comes through the confidence of salvation in Jesus Christ. So I need some joy to help push me through this final quarter of this year. And then when it says, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I'm as stubborn as they come. And I need God to give me some willingness <laughs> to get through. I need a willing spirit to sustain me. A spirit that is willing to go where God says go. That is willing to face the uncomfortableness of situations and things. I need a willing spirit to sustain me. So today I want to talk for just a minute about the things that fight against all of that and that are feelings. And I've titled today's message, In My Feels, which doesn't sound right vernacular-wise to anybody over a certain age. But when you say I'm in my feels, right, it means I'm in my feelings. I've sat down in them and I'm just feeling them. I'm in my feels. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever taught someone to drive before. Um, It's interesting. Um, I don't remember being this difficult to learn to drive, but I'm sure my parents felt the opposite of that. (laughs) Teaching someone to drive is very interesting. And one time before I had a teenager, um, I let a teenager drive my car from the old church on North Parkway just up to the little building that we had up there too. And I mean, it was, you know, literally from like just around the corner, but I let a young person drive my car, um, Remember, I didn't have a teenager yet at the time, so I thought, they can do it. Well, we almost died, and we almost took out the whole entire little building up there. Um, There were kids in the front window watching us pull up, and um, yeah, Jacob's point, yeah, Jacob. They were watching in the front window as we pulled up, and then noticed that as we were getting close to the building, we weren't slowing down, and you could see their faces. They were like, ha, ha, and then they start backing up, because there was a real sense that I might have let this child actually plow through the building. And I had that very real sense. Um, And luckily, we stopped with just a few inches to spare, right? Teaching someone to drive is not for the faint of heart. And there's a reason that there's a process to that, right? Like right now, we're working in like Union's parking lot where it's empty and we can practice, right? You have to kind of go through some stages because how many of you know you don't put a 15-year-old in a car with no experience and no practice and tell them to go to Nashville? They'll probably make it, but it'll be rough for everybody else that's near them, right? Well, here's the things about feelings. Feelings are not mature enough to take us anywhere because they're very young and quick and they happen fast. But too often, we let feelings drive us wherever we want to go. And they are reckless, and they take out all kinds of people around us, and they take us out. And when we put feelings in the driver's seat of our life, man, we end up off-road real quick. And then wonder how we got there. Well, it's because we let feelings drive. And feelings are not mature enough to handle getting where we need to go. Listen, though, God is not afraid of your feelings. And I want to be very clear that we know that, because I think a lot of times we try to clean up our feelings but he, he doesn't need us to clean up our feelings because he knows what they are, right? You ever thought you were doing a really good job of hiding how you're feeling? 
And then somebody's like, what is wrong with you? What do you? Nothing is wrong with me. What are you even talking about? Right? You thought you had it so well hidden and under control. And meanwhile, people around you are like, don't talk to her today. It's not a good idea. Right? They're like, oh, I can tell by your face. And you feel like you've really got it under control. And so many times we do that with the Lord. We come to him with our prayers. We're just praying for people. Right? And he's looking at us like, are you going to be real anytime soon? Or are we just going to keep doing this? You don't have to sanitize things for God. He knows what's going on inside of you. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it talks about that there's a time and a season for everything. You know that anger and grief and sadness are all part of life. In In Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time to tear down and a time to rebuild. There's a time and a season for all of these things. And so emotions and feelings, they're a part of who we are, but they're never meant to be in the driver's seat. And I love this little end part of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. In verses 12 and 13, it says this. And I want you to hear this, and I want you to just kind of exhale a little bit about life. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Do you know that having a fulfilled life is a gift of God? Do you know that having a job that you enjoy, that meets your needs, that being able to enjoy a meal and sit with friends and the happiness of life is a gift of God? Enjoy. We do not have to live in a constant state of upheaval. We can thank you, God, for a job that's not half bad. Thank you, God, that I am able to take my family out to eat tonight, and I'm able to enjoy the satisfaction that comes from the hard work that I've put in. Having happiness And enjoying life is a gift that God has given us. And when we begin to realize that, we can realize, okay, maybe we can let go of some of this other stuff just a little bit. There's a time and a season to everything, but happiness and enjoying life is a gift from God. But I want to talk for just a few minutes about three little feelings that um, I think hijack all that. They hijack us. They turn us around. They turn off our GPS and get us lost somewhere else. The first one I want to talk about is this little combination of anger and insecurity. Anger. (laughs) You ever been angry before? Don't look at anybody. We have all been angry before. Sometimes we've been angry with just cause. Let me tell you, sometimes people will really do the wrong thing. And you are angry about it. And it makes sense to be angry about it. And sometimes we've been angry about things that don't have anything to do with us. (laughs) Right? But anger is real. And here's the thing about anger. It robs us of the ability to be able to receive God's grace. It hijacks everything. And insecurity does the same thing. Insecurity, that feeling that we're not good enough. Man. And you may think, well, I'm not angry. I'm not insecure. Let's talk about really how that shows up. 
do we find ourselves feeling bitter or frustrated, maybe a little passive-aggressive? Do we have some pride, maybe even some doubts we're dealing with? Do we find ourselves isolating or pulling away from other people? Guys, that's anger, and that's insecurity. That's how it shows itself. We may not think we are really angry, but when we become so consumed by bitterness and frustration, there's a root to that, and it is oftentimes that we are angry about what has happened. When we find ourselves doubting the goodness of God, when we find ourselves pulling away from others and pulling away from God, a lot of times that's because we have gotten so torn up and feeling insecure in who we are that we just have pulled away. And we have got loud these thoughts of, I'm not good enough to settle into us. And they are all fueled by things like comparison to other people. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. They got this and I didn't. That jealousy, it gets down in the root of us. And none of us are above anger and insecurity. None of us. We all have to wrestle with those things. There are always going to be times where we feel insecure in who we are because we're human beings. And it gets down into the root of us and it starts to hinder our ability to receive from God. And it can cause our relationships to be shallow, our conversations to be shallow, and everything that comes out of us just becomes tinted with anger and insecurity. And let me tell you something about 2020. We've kind of made it this joke, right? Well, just blame it on 2020. Because, I mean, really, everything that could go wrong has seemed to go wrong this year, right? And we've blamed it on 2020. But let me tell you something. When 2021 gets here, there's not a magic switch that's going to make people act right. Like, we're all not getting, like, a double stimulus check on January 1st right? I mean, we all missed the phase of quarantine of stimulus checks and like making bread. That was a real kind of sweet spot we realize now, right? But listen, in 2021, all of these problems aren't going to magically fix themselves. That person who annoys you is probably still going to be at work on January 2nd, right there with you. That person who you feel kind of a little inferior to, and maybe like you're not quite as good as they are, is still going to be doing the same thing. So listen, there's no magic bullet that turns off feelings, but we have the choice to fight them. And for this final quarter of 2020, I really think what we need to do is get a jump on fighting these things so that we can go into this final push of this year and into next year going, hey, you know what? I don't care what happens around me. I am not wavering, right? My feet are firmly planted and I'm not going to be in my feelings. I have feelings. Feelings don't have me. So yes, I'm going to get angry and yes, I'm going to feel insecure, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stay there. I'm going to fight it. So here's a really unhappy, not fun way to fight anger and insecurity. And it's called thankfulness. And the last thing you want to be when you're angry is thankful. You ever gotten in a fight with a sibling and your parent made you say you love them? I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. 
right? And then your parents like, mean it. Say it like you mean it. And you're like, I love you. I'm so sorry. Right? I mean, it's really hard when you are angry to make yourself not angry, right? Now, men, please don't amen this, but have you ever told a woman who was upset to calm down, how well did that work for you, right? Y'all did good. Not a single man, amen. Some at home may have, and I hope for yourself, for your sake, you're far enough away, right? You do not calm someone down by saying, calm down, right? So listen, when you're angry and insecure, you can't look in the mirror and be like, stop being angry. You have to transition that feeling from one to the other. And thankfulness cannot coexist with anger. And thankfulness and encouragement cannot coexist with insecurity. So I'm going to replace them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 15 and 18, it says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, There's a reason that that all went together, right? Don't repay wrong for wrong. Next sentence, rejoice and pray. Well, if somebody has done me wrong, I don't want to rejoice and pray. Well, that's the only way you're going to replace that emotion and that feeling is if you switch it on its head real quick. So when I find myself feeling angry, When I find myself feeling insecure and I'm not good enough, I've got to kind of put down the rocks and I've got to start to celebrate. I've got to rejoice. I've got to say, thank you, God, for putting somebody in my life to challenge me to be better than what I thought I could be. Thank you, God, for putting somebody in my life who doesn't make things easy for me so I can embrace this challenge. I've got to begin to let go of insecurity. God, I I don't feel like I'm good enough, but God, I know you have equipped me for every good purpose, that your plans for me are yes and amen. God, I know that you who knit me together in my mother's womb have a plan for me, and it's not the plan you have for anybody else. So God, I thank you for my gift and my purpose. I will not compare myself to everyone else. I have just got to start replacing anger with thankfulness i got to start replacing insecurity with thankfulness. And i got to start seeing those things for what they are. Because we can get in a lot of trouble when we start saying, I'm not angry. I'm not insecure. But you're bitter. And you're frustrated. And you're a little passive aggressive right now. I'm only hurting my feelings up here. If I'm hurting yours too, just welcome to it. thankfulness. I got to shift my mood. I got to quit letting 12-year-old drivers hijack my life. Did you know when it comes to insurance that the lowest insurance rate is for men and women in their like 40s and 50s? Right? Because they're done showing off in their fast cars. And also, all of their children have grown up and have to pay for their own insurance. And they like their cars too much to drive them fast because they know how much it costs to fix them, right? So there's something to be said for some maturity when it comes to driving, right? So let me tell you, anger and insecurity is letting a 12-year-old take the wheel. 
But when I start having some maturity that says I can choose to be thankful and I can choose to be encouraging and I can choose to shift that, it's like saying I'm moving out of my hot rod stage. Give me my four-door coupe and my safety and security and my low premium because I want to get where I'm going, where I'm supposed to be there, and I don't want to be hijacked by other things. And anger and insecurity will do it really quickly. Number two, stress and worry. Anybody else been stressed lately? Just me. <laughs> Nobody been stressed. Everybody at home, I, I'm, you're just agreeing with me, I assume. Anybody had anything to be stressed about? Oh, gosh. Worried about anything? Anybody had anything to worry about lately? No, none of you have children? Okay. <laughs> Man, stress and worry. Right? Do you know what stress and worry does to us? It sends us looking for a release. We need something to numb it, right? And sometimes there are some things that numb stress and worry that aren't really bad. But you know what happens a lot of times is that the enemy comes in there and he hijacks our release with things like pornography and addiction and other things. And next thing you know, that thing that was supposed to be helping to release some stress and worry for us has become a sin that has overtaken us. And now we're bound up twice as much. Because when we go looking for a release, we will find it in the things of this world and not in Jesus Christ. But stress and worry will leave us all kinds of uneasy and on edge. And there is a lot to be stressed and worried about in this world. We have got people who are fighting for their lives against illnesses and diseases We've got people who are fighting to keep food on their tables. There's a lot to be stressed and worried about. So it is hard to shift that emotion to anything else. I was telling our young people today this little thing I read about lobsters and how lobsters have a shell on them, but they begin to outgrow that shell at a certain point. And the shell doesn't grow, but they do inside that shell. And that creates stress on their bodies. And when they get stressed in their bodies and that shell doesn't fit anymore, they have to go and find a dark place where they can be safe and away from predators. And they have to shed that shell so that they can grow a new one that will fit them appropriately. Here's the thing I want to tell you. Nine times out of ten, stress comes because growth is happening. And when we feel stress that's coming on us from school, from a new job, maybe a relationship, listen, that's because growth is happening and you are going to have to grow. And so you know what you may need to do when you need to grow and the stress is heavy and maybe you need to grow in your faith. Maybe you need to grow in your capacity. Maybe you need to grow in your spirit. Maybe you've outgrown some people. When you are in that place where stress is on you and we go and we're looking for a dark place, we just need some quiet to fix it. Let me tell you, if we find that quiet, in outside sources that bring sin into our life, we are no longer growing a new shell for ourselves. We are growing a cage for ourselves. And so we have to make a choice. Is it wrong to sit and watch TV? No. Maybe. I don't know what you're watching. Is it wrong to decompress for a little while? No. But when stress comes, we better find a place to grow. We better remove ourselves for a little bit. Find your quiet place. Start feeding yourself with the word of God. In Philippians chapter 4, 
It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Present your request to God. The way that we fight stress and worry is through surrender. And we've got to choose what we surrender our stress and worry to. If we are surrendering our stress to things that are addictive and sinful, then we will reap addictive and sinful things. But if we release our stress and our worry to God through prayer and petitioning of the Lord, then we will begin to reap God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So where do we surrender stress? Because it's got to come out somewhere. Stress and worry is going to come out somewhere. We have to release it. So where we release it determines where we grow. Do we release it in the dark of sin and shame and reap a cage of sin and shame? Or do we sow it in the dark of our quiet time with God and at his feet and in his word? And do we sow it into his presence so that we can reap the protection and strength of God that will carry us into this next season that we have? Philippians 4, chapter 4, later in that chapter, it says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. So listen, if we are under stress because we have want and need, or if we are under stress and worry because we have more than we could want or need. We have to find a place to surrender that. And we have to make sure we are surrendering it to Christ Jesus. The last thing I want to talk about is discouragement. I read this little story about um, the devil having a yard sale. And he was selling all kinds of tricks of the enemy. And this guy started to walk back into his garage, and he saw this nice shiny thing, and he said, "Uh, can I buy that? And the devil said, oh, no, 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 that's my most powerful tool. I can't sell that to you. And he said, well, what is it? And the devil said, well, that's discouragement. I use it to pry open the hearts of people, and they don't even know I'm doing it. It's a secret weapon, and it's powerful. That feeling of discouragement is the feeling of expectations not being met. And it pries open our heart, doesn't it? I mean, I think we've all been discouraged lately. There may have been people around you that you've respected and looked up to, and you're a bit discouraged by their actions. Maybe there are things that you really had hoped you would achieve in your life and you haven't had those things come to pass and that's discouraging. We can be discouraged because we faced, wanted to achieve things that haven't happened. We can be discouraged because of other people, but there are always gonna be expectations that are not met. But I wanna release you from that today. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things he works for the good of those who love him. 
people are going to let you down. You are going to let yourself down, and it's discouraging. I think a lot of times it's more discouraging when we fail ourselves than when other people fail us. But here's the thing. Let me remind you of this. And I read this, not my words, and I can't remember who it was. But he said, faithfulness is our job and fruitfulness is God's job. It is not our job to create fruit. It is our job to be faithful and it is God's job to bring the fruit. And he will do so in his timing and according to his will and his purpose. And here's the thing about God. You could think you messed this whole thing up, but he's a master gardener. I am not. I can take a healthy plant that they promised me doesn't need to be watered and it will die. But I have a friend who you could give her the most dead plant in the world. And within days, there's like new little buds coming off of it, right? Because some of us are gardeners and some of us aren't. And when it comes to our own hearts and our own minds, we are not meant to garden that thing on our own, right? We are meant to be faithful and it is God who creates the fruit. So we've got to relieve ourselves of some discouragement. I'm sorry that people failed you. People can't do God's job. People can't complete you. People can't love you as much as God loves you. People can't fix your problems. People can't give you enough money. People can't answer all your questions. People are going to let you down. People can't be your best friend all the time. People are going to fail you. I'm sorry. People cannot do, including you, what God can do. You cannot complete yourself through enough meditation and recitation and positive thinking and good vibes. You cannot correct all this. Only God can do that. And so when we are feeling discouraged, we have to remember our job is to be faithful. His job is to be God. And he really has never let us down. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were stuck in a fire. They were faithful to God, and he showed up right there in the middle of the fire with them. There was a man at the pool of Bethesda who'd been laying there for 38 years. Talk about discouragement. And God came along, and he said, get up off your mat and go. And he did. Let me tell you, God knows exactly what you need. And if you're in the middle of a fire, look around you. He's right there with you. And if you're stuck and bound up, start listening. I guarantee you, sometimes we need God to say, get up off your mat and go. Get up. But right now, as we face the next several weeks, and and I almost hate saying it, there's uncertain times. There's never been a certain day in history. There's never been a day where we knew anything that was going to happen before the end of the day came. This year doesn't have any difference to it than that. I remember stories that my great aunt Mildred used to tell me about during the depression. You had people in war and people dying and things happening. This isn't the world's first rodeo at screwing stuff up and having things go wrong. It's been happening for millions of years. Who knows? We are not just now figuring out how bad things can get. We're not the first human beings who've been let down by leaders. We're not the first set of people to be discouraged and not measure up to what we wanted to be. We're not the first set of people to be angry or to feel insecure. We aren't the only people who've ever dealt with stress and worry. 
But all of us throughout the history of time have had God. So will we make a decision today to say, whew, 2020, it's been a year. So will 2021, 2022. So was whenever back there. All years are years. Until God comes back and gets us, we're going to have to face these things. Until Jesus returns, you're going to have to deal with anger. Until Jesus comes back, people are going to get sick and people are going to die. Until Jesus returns, life is going to keep happening. But you have to make a decision. Who drives me? My feelings, my emotions, my anger, and my discouragement, my hurt. Do I give them the power to take me where I think I should go? Or am I going to surrender those things to God? Am I going to give thankfulness to God? Am I going to have hope in God? And I'm going to let him drive me where I'm supposed to go. I will not be hijacked any longer. So this morning, stand with me as we close out. Everybody gets in their feelings. <laughs> Everybody has days and moments where we are just in our feelings. And listen, if you're sitting here today and somebody has hurt you and you are angry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you are in pain. I'm so sorry that people failed you. I really am. If you're here today and you're feeling insecure and like you're not good enough, that's a lie of the enemy. God created you and only you to do what only you can do. You're not meant to be anybody else. You're meant to be you. The way you look, the way you talk, what you're good at, what you're not good at, it's all part of God's plan for your life. You don't have to be insecure. If you're stressed today, I'm sorry. I feel you. I understand. You got a lot on your plate. Your job has got a lot going on. People are asking more of you than what you are capable of doing. I'm sorry. Are you worried about your children and your loved ones who are not saved? Are you worried about family members who are sick and struggling? I am sorry. I know it is hard. Are you discouraged today? Are you not where you wanted to be? You're not who you thought you should be. Maybe you aren't married. You don't have the kids you'd hoped for. Maybe you don't have the job. You're not making the money you thought you should. You're not where you wanted to be. I'm sorry. I know it's hard to set goals for ourselves and feel like we haven't met them. But today, create in me a pure heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. There is a time for every season under heaven, but it is God's good gift to you to enjoy this life that you have. So, God, we come before you today. And each and every one of us here in this building and each and every person that is watching this today or could watch this days from now, Lord, if this message is in the sound of our ears right now at this time, then God, right now we make a decision 
to come before you and say, God, I lay down my anger and my insecurity at your feet. God, I thank you for making me who you've made me to be. I thank you for loving me. I thank you that you are not going to allow anger and insecurity to rule or run my life anymore. I am thankful to God for who he is and who he will be to me. God, today, I am stressed and I am worried, but Lord, I give you everything and I trust you with it. I surrender my stress and worry to you and I will not surrender the power of it to the things of this world. I surrender only to you the things I am worried and stressed about. I lay them at your feet. Do not let stress and worry hijack my life any longer. I give them to you. I rest in you and your plan. And today, God, I come before you and I say, I will have hope in you. I will not be discouraged because you work together all things for the good of those who love you. And today, Lord, we say we love you. Work together for the good of us. No matter what the scoreboard shows at the end of this year, we know where we have our victory and it is in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we surrender to you. We are thankful to you, and we have hope in only you. You are God. We are not. We are faithful. You make us fruitful. God, we give it all to you. Thank you for being in the fire with us. Thank you for getting us up off our mat. Thank you for loving us no matter what. We give it to you today come and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.